Holy Gospel according to John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. One has come into being, and him was life, and the life was the light of all the people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. If you really think about this day, about Christmas, you might come to the conclusion that Christmas is lovely, beautiful, Maybe chaotic in your home. Maybe you are exhausted already this morning. But Christmas isn't really necessary. If you think about it, we Christians believe in an all-powerful God, creator of all things, seen and unseen. We also understand that creation is broken by sin, and we confess that in order to heal this brokenness, God sends God's Son, Jesus, into this world to be born in Bethlehem to a woman named Mary. This Jesus then, as you know, grows up and preaches to the poor and heals the sick and threatens the existing governmental powers and those in authority. And so in a political move to silence him, he is executed. However, as you also know, Jesus then rises from the dead, crushes the powers of death and hell, and blasts open the kingdom of God to all people. We know these things to be true. We even regularly confess them as Christians. But if you think about the infinite and eternal power of God, Surely this healing and this redeeming could have been carried out without <coughs> Jesus, saving both God the parent and Jesus the son a lot of pain. By that I mean, God could have easily waved a magic wand from heaven, 
spoken some magical incantation, and voila, sins are forgiven, creation is healed. No one is sentenced to death, no one is crucified, Mary does not need to stand by helplessly as her son dies. If God's power is indeed without limit and without end, God could very easily have accomplished the healing of creation in a much simpler, cleaner, remotely even, from a distance way, maybe without any of us even having known it. But, as you know, God instead chooses to take a difficult path, a beautiful path, but a messy path, the path involving a scandalous, unwed mother, human childbirth, poverty, a terrified escape from a murderous and jealous king, controversial sermons, direct challenges to existing power structures, trial, torture, public execution, secret burial, and an inexplicable and fantastic resurrection. Seems a bit unnecessarily messy, doesn't it? The magic wand method seems a bit easier, a bit tidier, a bit more efficient. Surely God could have accomplished God's desire for salvation via remote control, or drone, or some other distant process where God's hands would have been kept clean from amniotic fluid, sweat, blood, and burial anointing oil. Surely God is powerful enough to accomplish God's will without this mess. So why does God choose this? Why does God choose this messy, albeit beautiful path, the path that is full of human immersion, the path of incarnation? Why does God come to earth and become human? Why does God choose to do Christmas this way? Why does God choose Christmas at all? The answer lies in how we humans encounter each other every day. Even those of us who resist technology and are bad at it are familiar with radio, television, computers, and cell phones. We know because of technology today that we don't have to be in the same concert hall to hear a symphony. We know we don't have to be in the same studio or on the actual set in order to enjoy a sitcom or a movie. We know that we don't even have to be in the same room as our kids or our grandkids or our friends to talk to them. We know that we don't have to be in the same room as them in order to see them thanks to FaceTime or Zoom or Skype. In fact, with the click of a button, we can have almost anything delivered right to our door without ever once having to physically encounter another human being. While that might seem efficient, or sometimes even preferable, we pause to wonder, is that how we humans were created to exist? Are we intended to sit behind screens and live virtual, remote, clean lives, or Finally, 
When it comes right down to it, are we created for community, for flesh and blood community? After all, FaceTime can never be an adequate substitute for a hug. A recording of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony never comes anywhere close to a live performance. And no virtual tour of the Sistine Chapel can compare to seeing it in person. A wedding just is not a wedding without an actual physical kiss between two people. Looking at the ocean on video will never compare to feeling it gush between your toes. Some things, then, cannot be handled remotely. Some things cannot be experienced from a distance. Human existence and human community is one of those things, and God knows this. In order to experience connectedness to one another and to our Creator, we need flesh and blood. <coughs> God comes to us then at Christmas time because even though God knows salvation can be accomplished with the wave of a holy hand, God also knows that God must come to us so that we can see God's face for ourselves, so that we can hold God's hands for ourselves, so that we can embrace God's body fully for ourselves. God knows some things must be done in person, and salvation is one of them. After all, if you think about human physicality, is there anything better, really, than holding a newborn baby? Is there anything better than looking at a tiny creature and seeing hope? Is there anything better than the joy that swells deep from inside with the realization that life will continue, that inventions and discoveries and masterpieces will go on as long as creation exists. God comes to us in flesh and blood as an infant so that we can kiss him, embrace him, hold his face in our hands. God comes to us in flesh and blood so that we can later then accuse him and condemn him and execute him. God comes to us in flesh and blood so that we then can later touch his scars and feel his resurrected breath and hear his voice when it calls to us from inside the tomb. God comes to us in flesh and blood so that when our flesh and blood triumph, God is there. And God comes to us in flesh and blood so that when our flesh and blood ache, and despair. God is there. God comes to us in flesh and blood to join with us in all of our flesh and blood realities, the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. God chooses to do Christmas this way, in this messy flesh and blood way, because God knows we crave touch. What would marriage be finally without kissing? Or what would parenthood be without hugging? What would life be without an arm around the shoulder, or a pat on the back, or a tussle of the hair, or a handshake of peace, or an embrace of goodwill? What would life be if we only said, I love you, 
on a screen or from a distance, but never ever showed it in person. Words without flesh offer very little comfort. Words crave flesh in order to live. At Christmas time then, God says the words, I love you, and also shows up in person to prove it, to heal, to feed, to touch, to comfort, to applaud, to laugh, to cry, to sweat, to bleed, to love, to be fully human in all of our human ways, and to be fully God in all of God's ways, coming to us to show God's own face to reveal God's glory, to give hope and healing, to embrace all of creation. At Christmas time, God shows up in person just when we need God the very most. Amen. <laughs>